Welcome back to another episode of Teen It Up with CMV. As always, I'm your host, Connor. For another episode, our first one, a fully integrated football season episode. It's good to be back in this era. Um, but first, we'll check in with my co-host, Vladdy. What's up? How much? Um, had a pretty good weekend, went up north, kind of, for I think, for the last time of the summer, but on various friends' cabins and cottages and whatnot. Weather was kind of meh and the water toys already been taken out so we just golfed not that that's a bad consolation uh i did not play as well as i would have liked to so might be hanging up the the clubs for the season and just say you know what we'll get them we'll get them in april we'll get them in may but not much is gone i mean you, you briefly mentioned uh we, we we missed last week you know life happens things get in the way so it's good to be back for the first full week of the nfl and kind of a another another week of college what about yourself how are you yeah, uh, I'm doing well. Uh, pretty quiet weekend for me. Just got to watch the sports. Um, as far as the golf thing, it's such a shame. I'm kind of in a similar boat. Like, fall golf in Michigan theoretically should be more of a thing to me than it is because we do have kind of a nice fall season, and I enjoy fall weather here a lot. Um, but once we kind of hit Labor Day, I, like, kind of give up on the golf for the season. Like, I don't know why that is. I know it's because I've only played – probably half as much as I have prior to or prior to like maybe earlier in the summer, but I am kind of in the same boat where once I hit September 1st, even though you still probably have almost two full months of actually golf, um, I never end up taking advantage of that. I don't know what that is, but so I you mentioned, you, you mentioned the fall golf. I, I actually don't really know if I agree with that in the sense that, I know what you mean when you watch the the leaves turn orange and you're and you're playing in that. That's beautiful. However, I think by the time that happens, it's at least for my personal liking, it's just too cold to golf. Yeah, and there's leaves everywhere. But I don't know. Like, I feel like your my tolerance for what's cold and what's not cold is a lot. Uh, like I'm willing to bear brunt the storm, so to speak, in terms of weather in the spring when it's like golf is back as opposed to the fall where I'm like, eh, I've played 25 times this year. Maybe I don't need to go out when it's 55 or I would be all over a 55 degree day in like freaking April. So I, I, I do think that. my tolerance is different depending on the season. Um, but regardless one. of golf, this is going to be a strictly football episode. Um, uh, no, let's I got to start with. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, sorry to sorry to put the kibosh on the operation. That oh, we laid tennis, out. tennis. I was gonna say, yeah, Novak Djokovic. Well, yeah. I'll quickly talk about it. Wins U.S. Open, Major twenty four, ties him with Steffi Graf for the most majors of all time by any player. Though some of hers were from a different era, where they kind of. It's tough to it, – it, I, I think the way I, I read about it was back then professionals were not allowed to play in, in the Opens. It was only amateurs. So I think 13 of her 24 from that time. So he becomes a player with the most slams ever of all time um, of, of the Open era. Um, I don't see why he can't go get a 25th and just kind of put that debate to rest next year. But it was kind of a boring final. Uh, him and Medvedev have really – bland styles where they're just kind of baseline defenders so in terms of like actual exciting tennis if, if Alcaraz was there it would have been a lot more fun he wasn't uh Djokovic kind of took care of Medvedev pretty simply um there was a brief moment where he looked physically ill but he always does that once and then he 
takes an injury timeout and he gets healthy. But no, yeah, number twenty four, nothing more to say there. Greatest player of all time. Uh, yeah, again, sorry to put the kibosh on the football, but I had to quickly talk about him. No, I do think that a lot that final a being on the first football Sunday didn't help, but lost a lot of its buzz when it wasn't him and Alcaraz, when it was uh, him and Medvedev instead. It, um, I mean, it was like just such, such boring tennis. Like again, they they sat there and like that's just, it's just who they are. It's not that they did the wrong thing for the people, but they sit on the baseline and just yeet it back and forth to each other. No one really tries to play attacking winners, and it's also hard to hit winners on those two. They're probably the two best defensive players in tennis right now. Right. It's just the styles make the fight. The styles did not make a good fight. Right. Uh, and then other topics we kind of missed over the, the week off, uh, week one in the college football season. Um, I guess as far as um, not a ton of storylines, obviously the first three weeks of the uh, three or four weeks, really, uh, of the NCAA football is kind of just you take what you get. There's only a, a couple of storylines, a couple of games a week that are actually kind of worth your time, so to speak. Yep. Um, even though I sat down and watched eight hours of college football on Saturday, they were all worth my time, apparently. Um, I think probably the big ones, uh, LSU gets stomped by Florida State, um, 45 to 24. The uh, Keon Coleman, I think, is my biggest story, especially for Michigan State fans. The druggery, it just gets worse and worse by the week, and that was highlighted by, I believe, a three, a two or three touchdowns. Three. three for sure. Game. Uh and over 100 yards receiving. I'm not sure how we did this week. I know they played a cupcake, so it really shouldn't matter. But to see that, they have the mon- – that mon- I don't know what his name is. He was wearing long sleeves. They have a monster, like, 6'5 guy to go along with him. Oh, John- Johnny um, they Wilson. They look pretty dynamic. Johnny, Johnny Wilson, Wilson, he's 6'6". They look pretty dynamic. Six, there you go. Uh, against an LSU defense who has, uh, to be honest, quite a bit of NFL talent on the roster. You look at Harold Perkins. Uh, I think there's a couple other names that are probably projected to go in the first couple of rounds, and they took it to him early. Uh, a testament to the SEC, who's been the SC mid so far this year. Um, that's probably the biggest game. I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I kind of had three takeaways. Yeah, FSU is fantastic. Um, probably the most impressive team in, in football so far this year. I guess maybe Texas now because their win was on the road. Whereas I think the other two met somewhere neutral site. Um, neutral. Texas beating Bama, yeah. we'll get into that. But it was in um, Florida, though. Yeah, it's the same difference. LSU, Southern, they better travel for all, all they, they care about football. Um, no, the, the other two takeaways was um, Clemson, once again, I was wrong about this. They do it to me every year where I think, oh, they're so talented <laughs> everywhere else that if they just get an average quarterback, they'll be good enough to beat the ACC and they'll end up in the playoff. And once again, Clemson goes out there and proves me wrong, and I have to sit there and I have to look like an idiot that one of my teams that I predicted to be in the playoff is out after four minutes of football, college football. Um, Dabo Sweeney, I mean, that team, I mean, they looked worse than last year. That they that Cade, Cade Klubnik was supposed to be the guy. He was terrible. Uh, that game against yeah. Cade, 28 to seven. Um, yeah. You can't score seven points against Duke. I don't really care how, how, how you want to swing it. Um, the quarterback continues to be an issue. As you said, um, I go back to, I know I said that, I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but I did hear it on another podcast, how ACC coaches, 
notoriously say Dabo is a very bland, boring, doesn't change his style of play calling. And they really do know what it's what's coming after all these mm-hmm. years, and he's refused to change. They just simply have the talent to outbeat the SEC, ACC regardless of that. I don't necessarily think they're bringing – the talent's still there, maybe not to the degree it was three, four, five years ago. Um, but clearly that talent gap has sort of deducted to a point where that boring um, – essentially poor coaching and I don't know where you get to the point where you can't say he's on the hot seat because he's won two national championships there uh, and he's basically brought them to relevancy that he kind of has a lifetime gig there but you're looking at kind of the death of the Clemson program definitely the death of the Clemson program when we get into week two I'll talk about the death of another um, blue blood maybe not quite the death but the eve of their death I think was proved on Saturday um, but that's kind of my takeaway and that the Dabble Sweeney era is officially kind of extinct. I don't really see them being a factor this year. I don't really see them being a factor moving forward as far. Still going to be a good team. Still going to be at the top of the ACC. But as far as the natural national uh, powerhouse, I think those days are kind of behind them. Yeah, completely agree. I'm not going to not going to take up anyone any more of anyone else's time. Just rehashing that in my own words as opposed to yours, because that those are facts. Those are facts. Uh, that's kind of all I got for week one. Those are the two big storylines. No, I mean, oh, uh, roll, gets rolled. Uh, Colorado, uh, go on the road. Colorado, TCU. Yeah. Okay. Now I understand that TCU team lost everybody from the national title uh, team or the national appear title appearance team from last year, but Colorado also lost everyone from a one win team. So to go in there, I know. I mean, Dion did what he said he was going to do. Uh, kudos to them. I think we'll kind of talk a little bit more about him here soon. So I'm not going to spend too much more time talking about last week's game. Yeah. Uh, so we can kind of move into this week. So we're going to kind of get into the uh, the surprise of the week. We'll each do one for college and the NFL. Um, the top game of the week for, excuse me, the NFL and college as well. And then I don't, what were the other segments you wanted to, you wanted to get and we'll kind of be able to, to add lids. I mean, there. there'll be Lions stuff. There'll be kind of, there'll Lions, be some Tucker right. stuff at the end. I, I'd say let's, even though, even though we do kind of have it by type, let's, let's stick with the college. I don't want to jump back and forth. So let's, okay. let's, let's do our college surprise of the week. Um, I'll let you go first. Uh, my college surprise of the week is Wisconsin losing to Washington state. Um, a team that was ranked, a team that Luke Fick, the Luke Fickle era kind of starts um, in kind of a, a, a sour taste in your mouth. I think the easy answer here is obviously Alabama. However, I actually thought Texas was going to win that game. So I'm more surprised that you go on the road to Washington State. Uh, were they on the road? I don't know. It was a late game. So I kind of in my head thought it was on the road. Um, but I don't know. And it wasn't even really like they got dominated for most of that game and had to come back at the end just to kind of uh, give Wazoo a threat. I mean, you're looking at, yeah, a power five opponent, but probably, I mean, one of the three teams in the Pac-12 that's forgotten about, uh, a team with a lot of expectations. And it just kind of proves, uh, I know Illinois lost to Kansas earlier in the week. Uh, Iowa hasn't exactly wowed people so far. I'd, obviously, they had a nice win against Iowa State this week. Um, but this is just as it is every year, anyone's Big Ten West. Uh, and Wisconsin proved that they are not the team to beat in the Big Ten West. And that was surprising because I kind of thought that this – I kind of assumed the fickle era would start in a Big Ten championship. Uh, and maybe that's wrong of me to kind of assume that in year one he can 
live up to those expectations. But in my mind, that's where he was at. Uh, and that's why it's my surprise of the week. So you kind of you you mentioned my thought process right at the end. Um, I, I'm not necessarily surprised. Uh, the Pac-12 is not bad. Um, I also just think the biggest issue is with Luke Fickle coming in, the change in what they wanted to do, the change right. in how they wanted to play. That's not like I mean, it doesn't get any more 180 flip going from what we knew Wisconsin as, which is run the ball 50 times a game to Luke Fickle's more air raid style offense, which where, where they want to throw it, where they want to throw it 50 times a game. So I'm not right. going to sit here and say I'm surprised. Is it, is it disappointing that the big 10 continues to kind of show their ass against other power five schools? Sure. It's disappointing, but I'm not surprised though, per se. It, again, it's, it, it's a, it's a week and a half into Fickle's tenure. I'm not going to, there, there is no jury coming in for indictments. So I believe he can get it right. He'll he'll, have, he'll need some time to get his players, and then it'll be tough because the Big Ten's removing divisions, and they'll kind of lose that auto path to a, to a Big Ten title game. Right. But we'll see what they do. Um, my surprise of the week was Colorado hammering Nebraska. Now I understand Nebraska is not okay. a good team, but it's kind of that the high and low that sports usually does when you come out with an emotional win, what they did with TCU, sometimes you expect to come out a little flat and. Again, did you watch that game? Yes. They came out extremely flat. I'll be honest. That was hard to watch for about uh, probably 40 of those 60 minutes. Yep. But it's a 60 minute game. They, they followed it up. They now have doubled their win total from a year before. Yep in the same amount of games that they've played and they're they're just it's the Dion train I'm not going to sit here and make any projections because we tried to make projections for him two weeks ago and we were wrong at least I was wrong right off the bat so I'm going to yeah. sit there I'm going to watch it I'm going to enjoy it I hope that the media doesn't make them like too shove it down your face like what they did let's say with Zion Williamson a few years ago at Duke I want to be able to enjoy this without having it shoved down my face um and we'll see where they go I think another surprise of the week, not necessarily with a game or team, is uh, Shador Sanders in general. He is like an actual, like, obviously, he had, you had doubters coming from Jackson State, um, an FCS school. But he's a legit power five, possibly even NFL prospect at some point in his college career. Uh, he is legit. He can move. He's got an absolute hose. He's got receivers out the wazoo, I think. At least it seems so far. Um, but I would say Shador Sanders, as far as a player, is my is it should be added to surprise of the week. Yep, I, I can I can agree with that as a player. Um, moving on to the college game of the week, I don't think there's at least I don't think there's a, a much debate. It's the only game that mattered with two ranked teams, Texas Alabama. Oh, you okay? Oh, you, were you going to go a different way? Yeah, I thought there were a couple games that. Uh, Appalachian State in North Carolina uh, went to double overtime. It's, the, I think, the third time in four years that that uh, series has gone uh, less than a – or ended on a game-winning drive or uh, one score or less finish. Uh, it seems App State always plays this North Carolina team tough. Drake May couldn't throw the ball. It reminded me so – that, that's a tough comparison. But he, he was kind of getting it done with his feet at the end. They go on this last-second drive. Um, the kicker absolutely shanks it, but App State calls timeout to ice him. 
and you mm. could see the App State guy go like, "Oh crap!" Like Jesus, I just like blew the game. And then he shanked the second one even harder to force overtime. Um, and then North Carolina pulled away in double overtime. They got a, a, the uh, that silly go for two. They got that, and then App State ended up not being uh, not being able to score in double overtime. But that was the biggest thriller, I think, uh, between maybe a team you didn't expect to be. There, I don't know. App State kind of always plays these good team stuff. It's kind of their MO. They're kind of just a solid program. So maybe you should have expected it to be close, especially with the history of the game. But that was kind of my game of the week as far as thrill. Yeah, I'm, I am. I didn't watch that game. I saw the score and it looked entertaining. I was kind of making fun of one of my friends because he was trying to, he was trying to laugh at North Carolina for going, I, I for going into overtime with App State. Um, and I just kind of hit him with the classic, hey. If anyone knows how to play App State tough, it's you guys. He's a Michigan fan, so I had to give him a little bit of the business there. But I, I want to text Alabama just because I think it was kind of the game with the biggest stakes, the biggest programs, kind of all it's where all the lights were. So that was kind of my logic for it. The game itself, you're right, it wasn't some nail-biting thriller where at any given moment you probably thought, oh, either team could win this. Um, yeah, I, I understand it was a close game at times, one possession game, but it really always felt like Alabama was playing catch up with a bad quarterback. Um, yeah, he's I mean, horrible. I mean, I said it. Um, I I said at the beginning of the year that they don't have first round receivers. They don't have a first round quarterback. To be honest, the offensive line didn't really look as dominant as you might think that a Alabama offensive line would would look. The defense still looks all right. I know they just gave up thirty four points, but. When your offense isn't doing you a lot of help, I was the exact same thing. I thought the defense was good. Yeah, no, yeah. defense. The defense. They've still got the players. They've got the. They've got the the, the star caliber talent. But it does. It does kind of look bad. It was kind of funny. Um, another another friend of mine basically called Jalen Milrow the college version of Justin Fields, <laughs> and I'm really gonna need Justin Fields to start playing yeah, better in the NFL because yeah. he did not have a good week one. And I want to defend the man because I like him. I like Justin Fields, but oh my god, please, man, play better so you don't get called the NFL's version of Jalen Milrow. <laughs> yeah, he's a weird one to me because he's another like big-bodied kid that has a. He has a hose. I didn't think he could throw the ball. He's got a good arm on him. He just can't find receivers. He doesn't read deep. Most of the picks he threw were because he just couldn't read a basic defense. He could. He didn't see a safety on one of the plays. I know that one. I think it was a pick six, actually. Yep. Um, but I don't know. The tools just clearly aren't there. Uh, and I will say that first-year offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, I remember if you remember him from the Notre Dame days of yes. young childhood, that's who's the offensive coordinator these days. I was pretty underwhelmed with how they, you know, the situation as far as what you got. I, maybe Texas's defense is, is is all that, and maybe this is a complaint that I shouldn't be put on the offensive coordinator. Uh, but I thought that was a poor game plan for what they do have in his skill set. Yeah, I, I I think I fully agree there. Um, the jury's still out on Texas. We know they 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 do like to Texas it up, but this is a. Would, is this the biggest win since they made, made the national title with Colt McCoy? Am I, I maybe I'm missing something, but yeah, I mean it's the biggest Texas is back win without you being able to say Texas is fully back because you can only be fully back if you're in a Big Twelve championship at the end of the year, yeah, uh, even a playoff game. But I don't know; it, it's surprising to me because after two weeks now, you've looked and you've seen three SEC teams in the top five. 
and now it's only one. You've seen teams from other conferences are clearly going to have a say in things. I know USC hasn't played anybody, but they've looked damn good. Uh, Texas is now right there in the from the Big 12. The Big 10 is going to have Michigan and Ohio State, obviously. Penn State looks awesome. I know they played kind of uh, Delaware, uh, and then they but they also looked awesome against another Power 5 in Week 1. There are other teams outside of the SEC that are going to challenge the playoff this year, is my impression overall after two weeks. Agreed. Um, I don't think I have too much. I was going to say maybe we take this to Mel Tucker and then we close the book on on, on the college scene for this week. Yep. Um, uh, so obviously the Mel Tucker stuff came out uh, Saturday night after a 45-14 to 14 win um, over – I almost said Richmond. Oh, it was Richmond. Never mind. Uh, the, I'm not going to really go into kind of the story because I think yeah. most of the people listening probably know the story. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on it. I'm going to, I'm going to, as far as how it's being handled and all that, I'm going to leave that for the people that are entitled with their positions to make those decisions. I'm just a football fan. Uh, as an alumni and as a fan of the program, it's just really, 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 really unfortunate as a as a fan of the school and the campus and the environment in general it's just really really unfortunate because it's just another step in a long line of very very tragic events that really paints the university in a very poor picture i think nationally i think it already had that had that impression on a lot of people and when you kind of year after year continually have these types of events that prove uh or taint the image nationally of your university it's really uh, embarrassing is kind of the word I, I, I'd use. So that's kind of my just uh, overall opinion on just being unfortunate. And I guess there's the take of like, where's the program go from here? Uh, I don't see how this team, I don't see how it changes a ton this year. I don't think really think this team is going to make any noise anyways. Obviously the jury's still out. They played two nobodies as far as their schedule. Um, it, all I'm going to say, it's a tough weekend to have beer opening in Spartan stadium and play a top <laughs> 10 team in the country. Uh, with all this happening, it's just very, very poor timing. Hey, so we get Mark D'Antonio back, though. <laughs> the guy who we all want. Yeah. The guy who did so poorly at the end of his Michigan State career that I wanted to leave. I'm now excited that he's back. This is, and I mean, I don't, they they still don't have really officially announced what type of like role he'll be in. He just kind of said like the details came. It's like he called Hallard. It was like, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. And I think his official title is like associate head coach and Harlan Barnett yeah. is the interim head coach. I don't know what that means, but yeah, Mark D'Antonio back in some capacity, uh, Spartan royalty. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's kind of the more jovial side of it. The, 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 the more serious side is once again, Michigan state has shown no ability to make good decisions. So the board of trustees, who don't really answer to anybody. They, they just get, like, blindly elected. Uh, they have made wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision, and they're going to be in charge of hiring the next coach, so they'll probably make another wrong decision. It'll be awesome. Um, but the one thing, I don't know if you saw, because this kind of came out uh, a couple of hours ago. Did you see Mel Tucker's response? So Yeah, I read, I read what you sent me. Uh, so there's clear... I don't know. There's two ways to take that. And there's one in that, like he is genuinely in his mind has different feelings on, on what happened. Um, and whether that those feelings are true or not, I, I'm not even going to go into, but there's some, something, uh, I, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth and I don't really want to have a take on like 
maybe there, maybe he does really does have feel, uh, outside feelings for what happened, or if, if that's not the case, and it's really, it's I don't know, it's just putting kind of uh, fuel on the fire, so to speak. So uh, the way I took it was because it's Michigan State, because it's another headline with the term sexual and either assault or harassment at the end of it, he was never going to coach again. I don't think that was ever going to be in question. Yeah. Not not here yeah, at I least. Agree. I think what he that statement, and as strongly as he worded it, now maybe with a more legal mind uh, with yourself, maybe you saw more into this or maybe I'm being stupid, but that to me was just him saying, I'm not going to sit down and let you run me over with a bus and take my $80 million that you said you would give me. That, that's what that was to me is I don't think he particularly cares right. if he coaches again at Michigan State. I think he just wants to make sure that there is no fired with cause so that he so he gets screwed out of his money in his own mind. That's that's what I thought that was. I don't know if, if you see some legal principles behind that. Yeah, I think the legal principle that I really see is kind of the distinct – he distinguishes between kind of uh, a criminal investigation and a Title IX investigation with the school – uh, which are two very different things, and he highlights that uh, that this is was really more of a criminal investigation, and that he would be afforded kind of essentially due process under the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment, and so all, all the rights that come with being an American citizen and being charged with the crime, um, and how the Title Nine um, proceedings, I guess you would call them, uh, really don't afford him due process, weren't really intended for his situation. Um, so I think he what really I stood out to me is basically he's calling out that this sh- shouldn't be a Title IX hearing and that because it is, the hearing is essentially in his mind um, non-determinative of, his, of the actual situation in his mind. And so he's basically saying, I don't want to, like, this isn't fair. I, this, the, your system of, for what a Title IX hearing is, does not really afford me the chance um, to say my, my fair say. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, that's kind of the same takeaway I had. Uh, it, it is fuel to the fire. Um, it, it, not, not that it's shock. He's never going to coach football at Michigan State University again. And it's just it's gonna at the end of the day it's gonna turn out to be is he gonna get his money or not? And I, I don't I can I can see it going yeah. both ways. I don't know. But I don't know. It's just the and as far as me going back to my fan take on it, it's just so frustrating that not even that I was kind of his biggest like I, I didn't really believe well, you, it. From the you start. single-handedly um, brought him down with that dynasty name of yours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I I really didn't believe it. The regime plan from the start, I think the Bulldogs and the Cars was just kind of, I don't know. I saw, I felt like I saw through it, I guess. Maybe it would have worked if he had more time here. But I'm just really sad that we're basically going to have to start over with a new regime and the way college football works and the way you have to recruit now. Yes, you can turn it around in a year uh, with the transfer portal. But I also think there's a part of that it takes longer because it's harder to recruit people that want to stay and build an actual program around it, uh, it's harder to do that now than ever. Uh, and Michigan State's going to have to go through that for the second time in three years now. So, Yeah, um, I, I completely agree with the fan perspective is you thought that maybe after an up-down, up-season or a down-up-down three seasons, he, maybe he could have built something a little bit more stable where we could look forward to what next year would have been as opposed to just saying, oh, well, we go whatever, wherever the wind takes us. So 
incredibly disappointing there, but I don't want to spend too much more time on it. It's a, it's a stupid topic. It, it's just frustrating. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so let's move on to the NFL. We'll start with the, our team, the Lions. Positive news for Metro Detroit fans. Uh, the biggest win in Lions franchise history, 21-20. The Lions <laughs> beat the Chiefs. No Chris Jones, no Travis Kelsey. Uh, Kadarius Tony's phony hands. It doesn't matter. The Lions won. The Lions went to Arrowhead and did it. It's a good, good omen for the season. I'm someone that didn't really believe into the hype. I'm still someone that says you, Seattle is a must-win game. Yes. They're not nearly as good as we thought they were going to be. They got pounded by the Rams in week one. Uh, Seattle at home is a must-win game. And then I'm fully 100% in on this team if you win that game. But Monday night, great offense, question marks. But I think they'll get it going a little bit more uh, as the season rolls on. I, I, t- I chalk some of that up to week one kind of woes. I'm playing a very good defense I'm not exactly an elite defense, but a good defense. Uh, at defensively, I mean, whenever you can keep Patrick Mahomes to 20 points, happy man, happy wife. So uh, that's kind of my just general take before I let you go into more specifics. So, yeah, I was going to say I spent all day saying we would beat the Chiefs. I don't know how many people yeah, listened to me, did. but I did spend did. all day saying it was going to happen. We did it. Um and I, I think the way that we did it also was incredible. Um, that's the exact game that the Lions have lost our entire life. Um, yeah, that's a Dan Campbell close, win, though. Yeah, whatever it might be, whether it's play close, whatever it is, it's you. You have some adversity, a couple of some some poor calls that you start to feel like the NFL is out to get you. But no one's talking about that because they they stood up, they they took the punch in the chin, and they they punched back and they won the game. And I guess a couple of the things that I will want to get out of the way real quick was. Yeah, the Chiefs were missing two of their three best players. The Lions were missing players, too. So Mike Tirico coming out and saying, oh, but it's with an asterisk. That's the stupidest thing I've heard. Oh, did he really say that? Yeah, he said that as they were coming off the air. He's like, well, with an asterisk. Guess what, Mike? There's no college football playoff committee. One win is equal to one win. The same way it's equal to one loss if we go out and lose to uh, Seattle uh, on Sunday. Then we become one and one. There is no asterisk. It goes both. Patrick Mahomes doesn't play. There is never, there is, there's no such thing as facing a team at 100% in the NFL. There just isn't. Someone's always no. missing someone. Someone's missing something. Um, after that, I don't want to talk too much about the Jawan Taylor thing because it is what it is. Um, kudos to the team for playing Name around that. Oh, I mean, kudos to the team for playing around it. But I will point out, like I said, this is something where had that game gone the wrong way, Everyone would say, oh, my God, the referees. <laughs> I feel like people have already forgotten. We had probably two late hits on Mahomes that could have been called that weren't. So it it goes both ways. There is always something that's happening, and that's why you just have to sh- you have to shut up, step up, and play. And that's what they did. It was amazing. Um, that, was, that was the perfect win that we could have had. Um, if we talk maybe – I guess – let me know how you think. The, the next thing I had is that I was kind of going to talk about the rookies a little bit. Oh, the Lions rookies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'm, I Brian know Brady. I'm rash when I'm going to say this, and I was saying it a lot uh, when we were watching the game together, but I do think I make a case for some of it. You drafted Jameer Gibbs number 12 overall and only gave him nine touches. That's not okay in my yep. opinion. 
especially when you sat there and said he's going to be the super duper triple mega quadruple weapon of destruction. And yeah, we didn't really be... see him. What? passes or go downfield at all to run any routes it was really yeah. just maybe a couple screens and some outside runs and that's what i'm saying you have no jameson williams marvin jones was a double agent he couldn't catch covid why don't you go throw the guy that you said was playing more receiver than running back in training camp and make him run a route yeah i'll give you the jameer gibbs one that that's again the not in the best part of the nine touches he had he's fast as shit yeah he explodes. And the, the, the first thing I saw, I think it was one of the first big carries where he kind of ran through a couple of Chiefs. DeAndre Swift could never do that. He'd have ran right out of bounds. Oh, <laughs> I mean, again, given the situation you're in, get, get the guy on the field a little bit more, please. Get the ball in his hands a little bit more. I'm not saying turn him into Derrick Henry with 35 carries a game because he's not built for that, and that's not logical. But nine touches out of the number 12 overall pick, I know it's week one and I'm being rash. That's not okay. Um, Jack Campbell, he had that super highlight deflection, which was awesome. Yep. But he, I was looking at it. He was only on the field for 25 of 65 defensive snaps. That, to me, is yeah. not okay for the 18 overall pick. Uh, again, I'm being rash. I, I'm hoping they'll lead him in, but I need more. Um, Laporta and Branch played very well. Uh they, they kind of – they were on the field a little bit more than both of those guys. They made a little bit more plays than both of them. So, I don't really – there's not much more to say there. was to get just good – they look like they all – all four of those rookies made good plays and good moments. So, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. But I just – I want to see some more. Yeah. Uh, I think the last thing I wanted to highlight was Peyton Hutchinson. Yeah. Like, I, like, have this love-hate with him because he was Mr. Michigan for so long and just an annoying Michigan guy. Um, and he is just still yeah, him and the family are still super coordinatable. Um, but he looked great, even with the cheating right tackle, whatever you wanted to call him. Uh, <laughs> six pressures, I think it was, didn't have a sack. Obviously, a lot of that goes on Mahomes. He looked really nice. Uh, I would say the one thing about Mahomes, surprise the week, not my actual surprise the week, uh, was he can get it. I guess I'm surprised we've seen him do it. It's, how mobile he is and how good he is at avoiding pressure. Uh, he's probably the best in the league at doing it right now, and he's kind of a – I know not to say known as a runner, um, but he ran the shit out of the ball Thursday night, so that was kind of um, – but because of the pressure that Aiden Hutchinson put on. So hats off to Aiden Hutchinson. It looks like he's kind of like coming into his own as a true number one star at the defense end position. Yeah, I, I had the same thing. He was my biggest takeaway. I mean, he played like an absolute animal. Um, he, 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 like I said, he didn't get the sack that we would have all loved him to get, but he was the best defensive player on the field from both sides. He, on absolutely ever those spin moves, I'm shocked he wasn't dizzy at the end of it. He, he, he was out there spinning like a bay plate. It was, it was, it was crazy. Um, he played sensationally, like you said. Hopefully, this is the start of him becoming that just like feared top five defensive end where you have to game plan around him. It's not just, oh, we're playing against the Detroit Lions today. How can we attack him? Your game plan starts with where is 97 and how do we make sure he doesn't kill my quarterback? Anything else you wanted to add before? Now with the Lions. The NFL? Now with the Lions. Uh, so the NFL, surprise of the week. You want to go or me? 
So I think there's actually a lot of ways you can go with this. I, I'll go. Uh, I say the Cleveland Browns. Um, I, I, was, thought, I was between them and my the one I have. Okay, that's good then. Uh, I, again, I, I'm not going to sit and pretend like I didn't think they could beat the Bengals. I, I I thought they did. I thought they could. They they certainly have the roster to do it. It's how they did it. I understand it was raining and it was kind of a messier game, and that's not what the Bengals are. They're a little bit more throw first, but they got hammered. The, yeah. I mean, it's one game. I don't want to overreact, but what they did to a Bengals team that most people expect to be very very good meant a lot more to me than what we saw Sunday night. Now I don't know if that's going to be your surprise of the week, but. That that, that, not, that, that was that was a more impressive win to me than the Cowboys hammering a Giants team that's just not that good. Yeah, I think the surprise to me is how bad Joe Burrow played, though, and that that was statistically his worst game of his career. Right after he gets paid to be the highest player in the sport, that's true. Um, that was that was fun. Kind of tough look, uh, <laughs> but. I don't know. I don't think it's hard to root against Joe Burrow or not believe in Joe Burrow moving forward. I think it's just a dud. They're kind of they, all three of the seasons that they, he's been there, uh, four actually. Uh, they've gotten off to somewhat poor starts, and I know that's kind of a testament to him being uh, kind of dealing with some injuries in camp going into the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, but that's what I chalked that up to. But I was also surprised. Deshaun Watson looked much better. He looks like he's going to go back to at least a, a competent starter in the league at some point. Um, but my surprise of the week is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ooh, um, I, I like that. don't know. I kind of forgot that they had Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Um, oh, a lot of that defense is still there. Um, I don't want to name all the names, but I, I, could, I could go on. A lot of that defense from the Super Bowl team is still there. Uh, they looked great. Uh, especially in the second half, again, guarding Justin Jefferson, who had two receptions for 12 yards after going for like 140 in the first half. Uh, and I thought the Vikings, maybe I thought the Vikings were probably a little better than they were, but I was very surprised with the Bucks. They look like a team that I thought was maybe only going to win three or four games this year to now. I think they're uh, in that division in the mix at all, especially watching the rest of that division this week. Yep. Nobody looked good. I know the Falcons kind of steamrolled the Panthers, but, I don't know. The Panthers are going to be down there. Um, and then at, the Saints kind of had a interesting looking win also. So I, I don't know. I was surprised with how much is left. Maybe I should have doubted it. And maybe it's just all me placing the entire strength of that team on Baker Mayfield, who was actually, uh, he, he was a game manager. He found a way to win. And I think if he can do that throughout the year, this team could easily win eight, nine, ten games in that division. Yeah. I, that that's a really fair assessment. I, I kind of said something similar where maybe I put way too much stock into who's throwing the ball as opposed to what's still left around him. Now, I, I, I again, I've said it before, and I, I do stand by this. That offensive line is not as good as it was. No. But that defense is still legit. So that's that, that's, a, that's a very good win for them. Um, But a win's a win. You, you got to go back and you got to win the next week because it counts for the same. So – um, do we go to let's go to game of the week? I think top game should both have the same one, right? I think this is a slam dunk answer, yeah. Lions, Chiefs, right? Oh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, 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 I'm assuming you have the Dolphins and the Chargers, yeah, yeah. And I didn't watch a single play of it, I just saw highlights this morning. And wow, is Mike McDaniel good at running the throw it to Tyree Kill play? 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I I had it on kind of one on on, on a stream east because CBS decided to give us the Eagles and the Patriots instead, which was rather unfortunate. But I, I was kind of watching that. I was watching the Eagles game. I was watching the U.S. Open, so I, my attention was not in the best of spots to watch like the finest details of the game. But Tua mm -hmm. and Herbert going back and forth was amazing. Um. I mean, every possession, you you kind of felt like the the stakes were going to flip, and the other the next team the next team up would say, "Hey, my turn. We're going to go take the lead." You met you mentioned Tyreek Hill is nuclear. Uh, I don't understand from a Chargers perspective who thought it was a good idea to say, "Hey, J.C. Jackson, I want you to go try and guard Tyreek Hill one on one." I don't understand why anyone's ever tried that to be a good idea because he's just so physically gifted. Um, I mean, Eckler, on the other side of it, too. Or go on. Go ahead. I was going to talk about Eckler. Go oh, ahead. I was just going to say Eckler's still a monster. The like, the, the, the uh, it's just there were so many weapons on display. There was so much offensive firepower. It was a great game to watch. Yeah, I I, I think it's interesting that the Kellen new offensive coordinator for the Chargers only gives the ball to Eckler twice in the fourth quarter. Um, interesting look. Kellen Moore is kind of going to forever be that guy that's like next man up as this next offensive guru. We saw how it went in Dallas. I mean, they did score 34 points today uh, or yesterday. But uh, that's just a, a game the Chargers historically lose, and they did. So it, it goes back to kind of your points you made in the NFL preview about Herbert and that, like, is anything going to change with this team? He's a good player, but like, is, is he really a great player? No, he has, he refuses to win these types of games that good player, truly good players win. And he finds himself in another season in week one losing another one of those games. Yep. Um, I, I'm going to mention his counterpart uh, kind of like as a player of the week. I'm not, I'm not saying it's you. I'm not saying it's direct names, but I don't understand how much more Tua needs to do to earn the respect of people around the NFL. Um, I mean, 470 yards. Purely stay healthy. That's purely it. Yeah, no, 470 yards, three touchdowns, but because he had one bad pass, which to be honest, like, it, was, it wasn't a great throw. It wasn't a great decision. But Tyreek still could have made a play on it if he jumped a little higher. But one bad pass, and it's like, oh, look at this fraud. And I love the mental gymnastics that have been played for Tua. Like you go back to him a couple of years ago when he was thrown to Devontae Parker, and it's like, oh, he's fucking terrible. And then he gets some help, and it's, oh, well, he can't throw it very far down the field. And then it and then he starts making those throws that are a little bit deeper because he gets a little bit more rhythm and connection with Tyreek and with Waddle, and it turns into, well, anybody can make those throws throwing it to Tyreek and Waddle. And it's like, at what point does it end? It, by that logic. Patrick Mahomes sucks because he's always had Tyreek and Kelsey. Josh Allen sucks because he's always had Stephon Diggs. Joe Burrow sucks, has always had Mixon, Higgins, and Chase. Justin Herbert sucks, has always had Keenan, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler. This notion that Tua Tagovailoa is the only player that has to go out there and win football games by himself in a team sport is ridiculous to me. You know what it is? I genuinely believe this, even though this is somewhat of a conspiracy theory. It's because he's left-handed. I mean, and the ball just genuinely doesn't look as pretty going off a left-handed arm. I mean, it just doesn't look natural. I can't, I can't like confirm or deny that, but I do think there is 
there's something about I, I I just don't get it. I mean, I might even go as far as to say, in terms of like kind of like accurate passing and throwing your receivers open, he's probably the best. He's probably the best quarterback in the league at doing that, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't really have anybody else at the top of my head. Like, that yeah, really Mahomes is up there. Mahomes is up there, but I think what separates Mahomes is the improvisational ability and just the ability to kind of make those circus throws while he's doing some weird shit that, like, Tua just isn't that mobile as much as he wishes he was. He's not. That's what got him hurt at Alabama, was trying to run away from someone that he shouldn't have been running away for, from. But I think as a pure kind of just passing it, whether it be into space or leading, I think he's one of the most accurate, accurate thrower in football. But, I mean, yeah. that, that was so kind two- of my... Sorry, to, to a top player of the week. That yeah, that he was mine. I said um, two your top player of the week then. Yeah. What I would you? say if I have to give you a specific player, I am going to go with. This is controversial. Brock Purdy. Ooh, I might need an Brock elaboration Purdy on that. I didn't watch the game though. They came in and absolutely dominated. That was also almost my surprise of the week, but I couldn't because they're supposed to be one of the best teams. Anyways, it was more how bad the Steelers looked. Um, they came in and absolutely dominated a team that people – in the Steelers that people thought was going to be relevant, especially in a tough NFC North with a good defense. And Brock Purdy used all the weapons. He is going to be your CEO and of game managing. It's all people are going to say. He's a game manager, this game manager, that. Who cares? He's kind of like Tua, has the weapons. And I I mean, I, I think in my intuition is that you would come into year two and be Mr. Irrelevant, not be able to be what they wanted. They have their full faith in him now. Will he be able to do it after just eight games or whatever he started last year? Uh, and he came in and was great. I think he start, like completed like 10 of his first 12 passes or 11 passes. He got the ball to Christian McCaffrey. He, got the, he spread the ball around. Ayuk had two touchdowns. He gets the ball to his weapons, and I was surprised that – I guess not so surprised, but he was kind of my top player as far as who kind of wowed me. Maybe that's because I had the bar, again, so low for him, but that's someone that – at least of the games that I watched that really wowed me. I, I, can, I can respect that. No, I, didn't get a, I didn't get to watch that game. I was still out in the golf course for the, for the early slate, but that was uh, – that was kind of a that, – that's kind of fair. They didn't hammer the, the Steelers. Uh, I don't really have too much for the NFL left. Do we want to maybe do a Seahawks Lions preview and then maybe call it after that? Yeah. Uh, so Seahawks Lions home game. I believe the Lions are five point favorite. Last time I saw five and um, a half now. Big expectations. Obviously, oh, five and a half. The Lions had the big win, and the Seahawks kind of looked very underwhelming. Uh, Geno Smith. I don't know. He kind of looked like Geno Smith that we knew. Again, not necessarily last year's Geno Smith that signed a three-year contract for $30 million per. Uh, I have to think Pete Carroll is going to have him looking better. I still don't think they're that bad. Division game, maybe people aren't weren't as high on the Rams as they should have been, especially Matthew Stafford. He looked like Matthew Stafford again, to be honest. There's definitely holes in that defense. There's no reason that this offense – this has got to be a coming-out game for the offense for me that you kind of struggled in Kansas City, which is okay, week one, primetime game uh, against a good defense. But here you are against a a lesser opponent as far as defensively. I know they have the young tools that you kind of always like to highlight, but I I think this is where you have to come out as an offense 
and score 25 plus. Um, as far as defensively, uh, there's not going to be a right tackle jumping off uh, uh, for a false start every play. Hope, so hopefully that'll get called, especially <laughs> if it's in Detroit. So, uh, well, I, I just kind of look to see get the defense to repeat what they did. I really wouldn't change much. Yeah. Um, I do think, like you highlighted, Seattle is not as bad as they played. That I mean, that was a horrific game from them. I, I, I was looking at it. Yeah. I think Geno Smith, maybe like 70 of his 112 yards came in the first like two drives. Like they, they just, they oh, just yeah. forgot. Was, that second half was easily some of the worst football that's been played in the NFL. Yeah. Um, but again, they are, again, I'll go back to the team on paper. I mean, Kenny Walker's a very, very good running back. Charbonnet's a good backup. They do have three receivers, even though I think Tyler Lockett might be in concussion protocol, if I saw correctly. So maybe he won't be playing, which is always going to be helpful for us. Um, I'm sure Mike Tarico will call that another asterisk win if we beat them. Um, offensively, I think they're I also Mike Tirico slander on this podcast. Hey man, I'm just I'm just trying to run with some jokes. But offensively, I also think they don't have Charles Cross, their starting left tackle. So this definitely seems like an asterisk win. I think I think if the Detroit Lions can pull through and win this game, we become o o o and two. That that fourth calibers for asterisk wins and it is still yet to be determined how they count in the final standings for the nfl maybe mike and his team can get together and put something together for us but until then we're hopefully the lines can keep winning keep steamrolling and like you say if, if if they can follow up that win with this home crowd that we should hopefully have as a home field advantage it's going to be incredibly incredibly tough to face the detroit lions this year i mean after Seattle, you kind of look at the games. They have to play Atlanta at home, Packers at Thursday night. I mean, there is low-key a shot that like the 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 Lions could be five, six and zero, oh, seven and zero, oh, or maybe six and zero oh into the Ravens game. So, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but go get this done and just start the snowball effect. Start just the absolute hype train that is going to be going around. Yeah. Uh... Uh, I don't even want to go into what what I'll think if they lose. We'll get to that on next week's podcast. Um, no, we but any other notes on lose. football before we call this? <laughs> okay, <laughs> perfect. No, I think we end on that. The Lions will not lose. You know what, Michigan State, rough go of it. Uh, they're they're not going to lose on Saturday either. You know, no. alcohol's in the building. Uh, we're welcoming Mike Michael Penix. Penix. The last time he played, Mark D'Antonio was a loss. So. That's what I'm saying. We got the we got the inside track on him. We got the dude who knows how to beat him. So that's that's what I'm here for. Um, if we see I each remember other next, that game actually. I mean, hey, if we can see each other next Monday with a nice two and zero slate from our teams, it's gonna, it's gonna be it's gonna be an all time podcast. The vibes are gonna Huge. be through the roof. Huge. But to those Huge. who made it this far, I got um, nothing else for this one. It yeah. was great to. Great to kind of recap the week one. Expect this as the kind of the normal uh, moving forward for the next few months here. Obviously, we'll interject with some other sports. Um, anything else you want to add? No, I was just going to say to those who kind of made it through the, the dog days of summer, there's no more previews to talk We're about. Here. We get to talk about actual on field, what we see, what happens. And yeah, as Connor said, this will be Mondays going forward. Um, 
So we won't be able to talk too much about the Monday night games. It is what it is. We'll get them the following week. But I'm, you know what? Given what uh, Senor Tucker just did, I am going to end this podcast off a different way, and I'm going to say go Lions. One pride, baby. Go Lions.